Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So coming up in a couple of minutes' time, I'm actually going to do something that's going to be somewhat shocking. I'm actually going to say something semi-positive about Florida coach Dan Mullen. I'll do that for you here in a moment, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't in, in, in a second, but we'll do that then. Before that, though, let me, speaking of Florida, kind of begin it all this way, that when we started Gator Hater Countdown way back in... I guess it would have been 2016, I guess is when the Gator Hater Countdown officially began. My push to kind of convince Georgia fans they should view the Florida rivalry as Georgia's biggest. We jokingly have said for a number of years that good Georgia fans are Gator haters first and foremost. This was a big push for me. At the time, what I believed was is that if Georgia could put that spotlight on Florida as a game that it had to win, as the game that it most wanted to win, that would actually set itself up over the course of the long haul to win more championships, just have more success, that when you measure yourself by an in-state rival like Georgia Tech, a fairly meager program that doesn't really play on the national stage, you could beat them 18 times out of 20, and it would not necessarily guarantee anything for your program. That it's a, that, that viewing Georgia Tech as the game that your program must win, in my mind, was just simply not ambitious enough. That You need to shoot a little higher up the food chain than that. That's clearly what Florida was at the time. I think it still is even now. And we wanted to make that push for Georgia fans to get some clarity and, and view that Georgia-Florida rivalry as the one that's the biggest. And I have to say, and I'm not, listen, I'm not going to tell you that everything I'm about to lay out for you is because of me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not an egomaniac, at least at least try not to be. Um, but I certainly would have had a gigantic smile on my face if I could go back in time, way back in 2016, and to find out all these years later, now in 2021, the kinds of things that are being said about the Georgia-Florida rivalry, which would have been my dream when I first started pushing Gator Hater Countdown and you know, Be a Gator Hater and Eddie the Blind Squirrel and all the fun things that's going to come in relationship to all of that, it would have been my dream to have the conversation that's currently ongoing about the Georgia-Florida rivalry. Let me give you the latest example of this. Yesterday, SEC Country Live, I had a chance to speak to Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Now, Bill is the one that wrote the list of the top coaches in college football that we talked about a little bit yesterday. We're going to talk about that a little bit more on Friday's show. Kirby Smart, only seventh on that list. And, you know, we kind of asked Bill to defend the case for Smart being ranked below coaches that he had beaten head-to-head, as I said before. We're going to get into that more on Friday's show. I want to kind of focus in on a specific part of this right now. And in the midst of talking about Kirby Smart and kind of where he ranks other SEC coaches, the fact that Smart is seventh, that Dan Mullen is eighth, what Bill Bender who wrote this for the Sporting News said was that it wasn't a coincidence that Smart and Mullen were ranked so close on this list together that he says, uh, Bill Bender, it's part of the evidence of just how big the Georgia-Florida rivalry has become. And then Bill, neutral observer, national voice, not a guy that has a tie to either team, went so far on SEC Country Live yesterday to say this about the game that we call the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Interesting stuff from Bill Bender. If you had to ask me, what's the best game in college football right now? Florida, Georgia. Because it's, the division's on the line. They're the two best teams in the division by a lot. You've got two top ten coaches every year. 
and it's just a fun game. There's a lot of, and they like to chat a little bit, and that always adds to it. So I think for the foreseeable future, having Kirby and Dan Mullen seven and eight, that's not a coincidence. They, uh, they're part of the best game in college football, at least if I was ranking them. I mean, to me, that's a kind of cool thing to hear that here's this rivalry and put aside for a moment the fact that I have evangelized for the rivalry on this show, Georgia fans caring about Georgia, Florida, just the fact that the Georgia, Florida rivalry has grown as much as it has. Because I guarantee you this, if you were to go back to 2015 or 2010 or 2005, any five or 10 year increment you want to go back to in the recent past, I don't know that you have national writers saying, oh, I think the Georgia, Florida is the biggest game in college football it was one of the most unique atmospheres in college football a cool game the kind of game that a lot of writers media types aspire to one day attend but bill bender from the sporting news there from sec country live yesterday takes it a different step to say i think this is the best game in college football a sport by the way that still has an iron bowl between alabama and auburn that still has a michigan ohio state at the end of the year now last year those two teams didn't play at the very end of the year because of the weirdness of the big 10 but in a normal situation they will they're still is a USC Notre Dame or um, there's not a Texas Texas A&M anymore so maybe the landscape is getting a little more open for some of this kind of stuff but if a guy like Bill Bender from the Sporting News is saying I think Georgia Florida is the biggest game in college football then as many of you most of you are aware there are a lot of big games that you are putting the cocktail party ahead of but here's where this is interesting and some of you are already aware of this because you're a regular listener to the show Bill Bender national writer isn't the only one to say that as of late because the idea that georgia florida was and is the biggest rivalry in college football the idea of that it'd be hard to make that claim if it was just one national writer alone who's making that case but it's not just bill let's go back to a couple of uh you know what is a couple i guess a couple of months ago now paul feinbaum during an interview is talking about the mood around the sec that he's seen on his show and he strikes a similar tone when it comes to the current view of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party once again very interesting stuff from paul feinbaum in so many ways mirroring what you just heard from bill bender here's feinbaum i I will tell you uh, it was i think four or five years ago whenever we went down to the cocktail party for the first time i have to be blunt i tried to feign enthusiasm for it you guys (laughs) i mean we're from the same uh, area of the the scc that was a foreign uh occurrence to me. I mean, I watched it every year, late October, early November, because Alabama and Auburn usually did not have a big game that day, but it didn't mean a thing. But after going for four or five years in a row, I mean, and listening to Florida and Georgia fans talk like that is the rivalry in the SEC, I mean, I I understand it more now. I mean, it took me a long time to wrap my arms around it. Florida is a member of the SEC, but it's its own entity in many ways. But uh, you know, Dan Mullen understands the game as well as any coach I've seen since Spurrier, and I know he's a he's a Meyer Urban Meyer protege, but but he but I swear he he's got some D. I want to check his DNA. He's related to Spurrier somehow. <laughs> So that's very interesting stuff uh, from Feinbaum there. He went on in that same interview. That's from WJOX, a sports radio station in Birmingham, to say that it used to be that if you wanted to get callers fired up on his show, you talked Alabama-Auburn. You mentioned those kinds of things. That used to be what you did. But now Feinbaum, in that interview that you just heard there, he went on to say that now if you want to get folks fired up, if you want the phone lines to ring, it's Georgia-Florida. You mentioned that rivalry. You, you, You bring that up. 
And all of a sudden, you're going to fire people up a lot more than almost anything else. So Paul Feinbaum, in another interview earlier this spring and summer, echoing what Bill Bender said on SEC Country Live yesterday, that Georgia, Florida is the big game right now. Biggest in the SEC, Feinbaum says. And if it's biggest in the SEC, then just given the footprint this league has, it's arguably, as Bill Bender said, the biggest in the very country. And if you're a Georgia fan, I do think there's a little bit of a source of pride about that, that your rivalry with your hated foe has taken on the prestige that it has. It's gone from being just a cool game. It's gone from being just the kind of fun thing that that dog fans have enjoyed doing for a long time, going back to the time of Larry Munson and talking about those condos and Jekyll Island and St. Simons and you know the great lines from Munson over the years, including the 1980 game throughout all this. It's actually gone beyond that. Now it's this real, true, hated rivalry, prestigious game, SEC East on the line, inside track to an SEC championship and college football playoff berth on the line. Uh, I think I just think that most Georgia fans would say that's a pretty cool thing. However, would Georgia fans also join me in saying this? And I do not enjoy ever, because it is a true rivalry, and around here we believe in the rivalry, the Georgia-Florida rivalry, I don't enjoy ever saying anything good about Dan Mullen. I, I don't enjoy doing that. But here is the one thing I think I am forced to say for the positive about Mullen, and I'm curious if Georgia fans would agree. Don't you have to give Mullen a little bit of credit for making the rivalry what it is? From the Georgia side of this, I mean, if you've ever watched a movie, read a comic book, you know, anything like that, you don't have a great hero unless you have a great villain. And Dan Mullen has been more than willing during his time at Florida to take on the villain role as the perfect contrast to a guy like Kirby Smart. Remember, it's Dan Mullen who somehow, some way, seemed to be a part of a spring game attendance troll of George a couple of years ago. And some of the things that Mullen has said during his uh, speaking tours, his booster club type stuff, you know, the trash talk about Georgia, that stuff's kind of leaked out. Mullen hasn't shied away from that kind of thing. He's the kind of coach that also seemingly allows his players to talk a little more trash, to be a little bit more vocal about their opponent than than Georgia's ever going to be. By contrast, here's Kirby Smart, who doesn't try to be as slick, who doesn't try to be as mouthy. Smart has said before, we don't do the trash talk. We do our talking with our helmets on the field. They have drawn a perfect contrast to each other and that has made the rivalry uh, so much better so if you're a Georgia fan and you you want to look at why the Georgia Florida rivalry has become as big as it has to the point that regional TV and radio host national writer all touted as the uh, best in the sport at the moment I do think you have to give Mullen a little bit of credit for that now it's also interesting to say that if you want to be objective here that from the Florida side of things they obviously view the hero villain part of this completely opposite right i mean to them dan mullen is the hero who doesn't quite have the recruiting chops of, of kirby smart you know kirby smart's the kind of bully program that you know goes around the world pulling all the five-star recruits getting all the best talent and dan mullen more content to kind of coach up the guys that he has doing more with less and that's kind of the hero villain narrative that gets cast in gainesville the exact opposite of the hero villain na- narrative that gets cast in athens but one way or another these are 
I would say now, two pretty compelling personalities. The way that Mullen goes about his business with his mouth and with his deeds, smart much the same way. They are very, very different guys, drawing a sharp contrast. And the presence of both of these, for now at least anyway, top 10 coaches in the sport, I do think has made Georgia-Florida a much more interesting rivalry, uh, one of the best in the sport, maybe the very best overall. I'll take guys like Bill Bender and Paul Feinbaum's word for that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. Good to be back with our friends in the Classic City again. And, of course, all kinds of podcast platforms, the Apple Player, the Google Player, WorldFamousDogNation.com. So many different ways for you to check out our show. I really appreciate you doing that. Big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. You know, they're your source for Georgia Divorce. Let me tell you what that means. That means that an audience the size of ours, the divorce process is a uh, reality for so many of you. It's the kind of thing that you find yourself either currently in the midst of or maybe about to go through all of that. Let's face it. Sometimes these kinds of holiday weekends where people are off from work and you know families are home together. Unfortunately, while that's a source of great happiness and joy for many people, it's also kind of a reminder for others that this is that likely next step, that the thing that you've tried to do to kind of hold everything together, that it's just not working. If that's the case, then obviously the next step there is to put a strong advocate on your side, going to bat for you, understanding all the ways which the law impacts your situation, and giving you really sharp cogent advice related to all of that. So that's what Meriwether and Tharp is able to do. Uh, they're your source for Georgia Divorce. You can go to the, on their website, theatlantadivorceteam.com. You can find out all the resources they have available. You can set up that initial consultation, and then you can make the decision to put Meriwether and Tharp to work for you. Your source for Georgia Divorce is our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, by the way, who will be with us for Dog Nation Invasion. More on that coming up in just a moment. Okay, before I do that, let me give you a different, I'm going to take care of a little bit of business here just for a moment. So, Tomorrow is Friday. We're heading into the Independence Day weekend, and we've got you know some folks taking some vacation time, and around here we want to be able to do that for the people who need to be able to do that. So a little bit different version of our show tomorrow. We will have a show. It will be pre-recorded. Now it's pre-recorded today, so it's not super dated or anything like that. It's going to be you know kind of of the moment. The one thing I'm also going to do tomorrow, we've never done this before, but I think it's going to be really fun for those of you that like to watch on video. If you can join us live tomorrow, maybe you're off from work tomorrow there as well. If you have a chance to join us live tomorrow i'm actually going to do kind of a live chat on both facebook and youtube i'll have those running concurrently i'll do a live chat with you on facebook and youtube starting at 10 a.m tomorrow we'll watch the show along together we are pre-recording today jeff's intel will be with us all the normal stuff you've come to expect we will do all of that tomorrow and i'm really excited about being able to do that so if normally you watch early you can stick around for when we do the comments live tomorrow we'll have a chance to interact with each other we want to try this just see how it goes i think it's going to be a lot of fun so join me tomorrow for a pre-recorded edition of dog nation daily that's a live chat for me we'll talk in the comments section facebook and youtube we'll watch along together and we'll just have some fun getting ready for the independence day weekend and of course everything that's going on with a ug football there i'm really looking forward to do that before i bring on terrence edwards let me also say that yesterday was a very successful rollout of our dog nation invasion to charlotte we were able to announce those details and this is really exciting we've got a couple of different options available and it's amazing how fast these tickets are going which is as predicted here on this so for those of you who are already going to be in charlotte you've got your travel 
situation already worked out, then you can join us for a tailgate only option there in Charlotte, just steps away from uh, Bank of America Stadium, and we'll hang out together. We'll enjoy some great beverages and some food and all the festivities. There's TVs set up there that day. It's going to be a world-class type tailgate. If you're already going to be in Charlotte, you can get that. But we also have a VIP option there as well. And the VIP option is always incredibly popular for these kinds of things because we're essentially taking care of everything for you. Know, for you. We'll leave out from Atlanta there on that Saturday morning. We will head to Charlotte for the Dog Nation Invasion tailgate. You will uh, also have accommodations there that night, Saturday night in Charlotte. And we're all coming back on the bus again on Sunday there as well. By the way, the bus is going to be well stocked if you get my drift on the uh, way down. So that's part of the uh, fun there too. The bus ride down is going to be a big deal too. So if you go to dognation.com, you can find out more about this, the limited VIP tickets and everything else. Can I see that graphic one more time on the screen? Just, I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's making all this possible. Our friends at the Finish Long Drink, uh, Meriwether and Tharp, which I just told you about, Kroger and R.S. Andrews, everybody there working really hard to make this affordable for all of you, fun for all of you. The bus down going to be a real party. The tailgate itself going to be as big as anything that we've done. Uh, the hotel there that night, for those of you that do the VIP thing and then the trip back the next day. Of course, the one thing you should be aware of, and I told you this yesterday, most of you kind of know this already, this does not include game tickets, right? You understand that. This this is not a game ticket thing. This is a thing for those who want the tailgate experience who, who or, or also those who want the VIP experience, which is kind of tailgate plus travel. For those of you that want that, that's what Dog Nation Invasion is. We've done these before. They've always been a ton of fun. I truly believe this one's going to be the most fun we've ever had. So that's going to be a, a really great time. All right, before we're done today, very odd playoff prediction from an ESPN talking head on television, which I think speaks to the madness that exists sometimes around the SEC in college football. And I believe this could impact Georgia in particular. We'll talk about that here coming up in just a moment. But for now, on everything happening around the world of uh, UGA, great voice to s- discuss it all with the former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards. He joins us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us as well. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Terrence Edwards, the terrific former Georgia wide receiver. Always fun to have a conversation with him. And, you know, Terrence, I was uh, just speaking before you joined us about the way in which it seems the Georgia-Florida rivalry has grown in recent years with, you know, national writer yesterday on uh, my other show sec country live saying he thought it was the biggest game in the sport at the moment paul feinbaum on a recent interview going back a couple of months ago saying he thought it'd become uh, the top rivalry in the sec even surpassing the iron bowl along its way to doing that what is it that you think about the current state of the georgia florida rivalry and the intensity that seems to exist between the two teams the two coaches maybe certainly the two fan bases uh, i know you've got friends that uh you know played for florida what do you make of the way the georgia florida rivalry has seemingly grown in recent years it's definitely grown you know for someone of myself who's watched this rivalry since my brother play in this rivalry and just then myself finally playing in this rivalry, you understand um, what this rivalry means. It is, it is it is the rivalry that I think uh, shapes the Georgia program. I think, you know, in-state with Georgia Tech is a big one. Auburn is a big one. But I think the Georgia fans would, would, would love to go 1-12 and 12, and as long as they beat Florida, I think, you know, all is well. So, um 
it, it has definitely grown with the element of social media. I think Dan Muller is a is a good character. Um, I don't know him personally, but he's a, a character, and I think Kirby is the, the polar opposite of him. Yeah. I, mean, I think that the, the two guys are uh, has a good, healthy competition with each other, and then that spews over into the game. So, uh, you know, I, I love this. I think the, the Georgia-Florida rivalry week is one of the best ones in the in the nation. And me personally, I wished that we could alternate uh, venues. I, I really wish one year we could be in the Mercedes and the next year we could go down to Florida. I would just love – that's just me personally. I would just love if we could alternate venues and just not have it in Jacksonville every year. That's an interesting idea on that, Terrence. And I guess one of the things that I think about, too, as well is, you know, obviously I care a lot about recruiting and I want Georgia to get great players coming into the program. And to me, it seems like it's just easier to convince great players to come to Georgia if you can show them the great games they're going to be playing in. So when you have added prestige for Georgia, Florida, when you have folks in the media talking about how big of a deal it is, I do think it aids Georgia's recruiting effort because I think one of the ways in which great players measure themselves is how great of a game how high a level of competition do you get a chance to go out there and prove yourself in and that's what georgia florida seems to provide right now which as i said before only would appear to aid georgia's recruiting efforts would you agree with that right right i think so i think it's and i and i really love that georgia is uh, scheduling the games like clemson the first game of the year yeah and uh you know i I understand what it takes for these lower-level programs to run their programs and need the games like Georgia to uh, fill their recruiting budget and their sporting their sporting budget. Period. But I would just love if uh, you know we played the Clemson's of the world and got matchups that we don't normally see across the country. The Notre Dame matchup was awesome uh, for those two years that we played. So I really love those type matchups, especially in the non-conference. Um, and recruits, you know, that's one thing you can spotlight. If you come to Georgia, your first game of the year is going to be against the Clemson Tigers, and we all know what that program represents right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, scheduling these games is, is definitely a big re- recruiting tool. You talked about this on uh, social media a little bit yesterday, having some fun with what you would have had a chance to do, cashing in, had the name image likeness era existed when you were at Georgia. That kind of rolls out across the country here today. We're seeing some players already making some of their announcements. Georgia players, I think, will be making some announcements here today uh, a little bit as well. What do you think about the rollout of all of this, and what do you think about this new era that is upon us here when it comes to college football? Um, that that's one of the things that I love. I actually uh wish I could go back and and recruit probably some of the, the money that I could have made back when I played, but I, I actually love it. I just like the fact that the players now own their name and likeness. I mean let's be let's just be honest. The school owned the players likeness and name once they signed that letter of intent because the players couldn't do anything to make money off their God given name and likeness. So uh, I like it. I just think now the school is just going to really have to be very informative about taxes and about all other stuff that may come about. And uh, someone asked me on Twitter this morning, like, would you be able to handle those type things? And as an 18, 19 year old kid, I'm just worried about depositing the money that I'm going to get, right. not knowing about some of the other things that may come along with it, with paying taxes and other things that they might have. So, uh, I just hope the school educate these players on this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to have to do. You're going to be a 1099. You're going to have to pay taxes right. on, on this money. So 
Uh, I, but in all, I like that the players now have been able to control their own name and likeness. Well, you mentioned the 1099 thing. Not to get too deep in the weeds on this, but Terrence, I know you understand this. It's that, you know, a lot of media work, certainly before I came to Dog Nation, a lot of that for me was kind of this thing where you're kind of just contracted out to do the job and, you know, you get the paycheck at the end. They're not taking any of the taxes out there on that. And you're kind of left to be on your own devices to get that done. And I got to tell you, that's not the kind of thing earlier in my life I was all that good at either. Now, thank, thankfully, my wife's a CPA, so I at least have a little bit of help around the house when it comes to uh, that kind of thing. But, you know, for a lot of these players, they will be experiencing some of this for the first time and getting good advice having good advisors is going to be uh, a part of this and I'm not saying that to scare anybody off of that's not my point here my point is though is is there will be a lot of lessons learned along the way and as I have been reiterating over and over again that ultimately the quality of your advisor uh, the, the people that you have the closest to you and around you is really going to determine how successful each of these players own foray into name image likeness compensation is going to be you're only going to be as good as the people you have around you right right and i mean just something just popped in my head while you were just talking about that i just think now the school should have hire a cpa that is specifically for these athletes that they can really go to someone who has the best interest and give them the best information that they need on any kind of taxes or anything that they need i that could be a job that these schools correct because, like you said early on, I was just worried about depositing right. the money that I got from doing any appearances. Uh, even, you know, once I start understanding paying taxes after that, I, you know, the 1099, I didn't know about just being a contract worker. The company's going to, they're going to file their taxes, and at some point it's going to come back on you. So I, I, that may be a good idea that these schools actually hire an in-house CPA to help these kids navigate through the taxes. Let me say one more thing about this topic, and we'll shift the uh, gears and discuss something else. One of the things I mentioned on the show earlier this week, and to be totally honest, Terrence, I'm a little bit of an old head. So in some cases, I'm a little skeptical of some of this kind of stuff and what the long-term impact is going to be for college football. I can't deny my feelings on that. But if I were to zero in on something I think that could be a true positive beyond just the players getting a chance to put a little folding money into their pocket, it's this. You know, some of the things that you're seeing right now are players showing up on I guess some of these like video game apps and they'll, they'll they'll play video games with a fan or you know cameo is one of these things where you can you know have a player uh, you know give you a special birthday message or something like that where it does seem like for the average fan one of the things that the name image likeness era might provide is more chances for interaction with players and more chances to get autographs something that right now if you want a Georgia player's autograph if you have a son or a daughter that loves Georgia football it's hard to get a player's autograph right now it's just it's a very restrictive process around that and you kind of understand why that might be the case but what the name image likeness era might provide for the average fan is a little more opportunity to connect with these players and I think for a lot of college football fans they will probably view that as a good thing I think so I think you get opportunity now that these players can actually set up their own autograph sign I mean social media and Twitter and Instagram is a powerful tool to get information out and if, you know, put myself back, if I want to say, hey, Terrence Edwards is holding, hosting a autograph signing from such and such time, and this is what it costs. And, uh, so it's going to be an opportunity for these players, players to really engage with the fans, and now fans can go get an autograph, and now players can capitalize on their name and likeness and 
Um, just like just some of the stuff like with the Todd Gurley stuff won't happen anymore. Uh, just, you know, I, I just think uh, if the rules were in place, Todd went, would have been able to play, and uh, and all the other players that that they got suspended for selling their jerseys and rings and stuff. I just don't think you know those things would have happened because now you can do that. Um, I would never sell my ring because I worked my butt off for it, so I would have never done that. Uh, but now fans can really engage. I mean. These players could put out time and dates that they're going to have host their own autograph session. Like, who wouldn't if JT Games decides him and Jermaine Burton or Kendall Milton is hosting an autograph session? The lines would probably be wrapped around the building. Now they could capitalize on it, and fans now could get their autograph. In the uh, little bit of time we have left with you, I want to mention the guy that you know well. It was nice to see Georgia coach Kirby Smart tweeting out this week that Eric Gilbert was the academic player of the week or whatever it was. And you know, you've seen some positive buzz from him on the field there as well as he's you know getting ready to work his uh, you know way onto this Georgia roster here later on this fall. The best that I can tell, Terrence, is it certainly looks like that Eric is off to a great start there at UGA. And I know as one of the advisors in his life, I, I know how happy you must be to see him making a home in Athens as quick as he seems to have done so. Oh, I think so. I think he's uh, he's very happy. I talk to, I speak to his mom at least about once a week, um, and she keeps me updated. And one of the things that she did say to me, I don't think she would mind me sharing that she says, Eric wakes up and go to the bus, man, stay there all day. He mm-hmm. meets with his tutors, so he's very focused. He's 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 uh, still enjoying it. I ask all my players all the time, Are you still happy? You made this decision, you're still happy. And he, I just saw him recently, and he's he's happy. So that's my most important thing that he's happy. When he's happy, his academics gonna be better, and his athletic prowess is gonna be better as well. So uh, he he's off to a good start, and. He's enjoying asking so forth. Well, please pass along to the family. I know they know how excited Georgia fans are to have him on the field. But beyond that, the fact that he's feeling comfortable and at home at UGA, the fact that uh, uh, that, that that things are going well for him right now, please pass along how happy we are uh, for him, that, 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 that he's enjoying himself in Athens as much as he is right now. That's a great thing to see. And also, Terrence, before we let you go, I know you're out there working just as hard as ever, training up those next generation of pass catchers and always looking to get people together, doing some drill work. You've got some great stuff going on. You've had some great stuff going on here over the course of the last few days there as well. So give folks an idea how they can be a part of that if that's something they're looking to do. Yes, if you have a, a middle school age child that's looking to learn how to play the wide receiver position, um, you can reach me on all social media at Terrence Elwood Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, hope you have a great Independence Day weekend. Thank you so much for being on the show here today. I appreciate your insight on to Georgia football, all the things going on with the program. It's a really valuable voice. So thanks for doing it with us. We'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Uh, thanks, B.A. Take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. A couple of interesting things from uh, Terrence Edwards there that I want to highlight, and then we'll move on. We'll do our SEC Through. First of all, boy, how much do you love hearing uh, Miss Gilbert telling Terrence Edwards that, yeah, Eric is enjoying himself right now at UGA and you know showing up that Buttsmere Heritage Hall and staying plugged in there all day long. Apparently, according to the Kirby Smart tweet this week, doing great work in the classroom. You would certainly expect great work on the football field there, too. You just love to see that, and it really is amazing. And this is one of the reasons why I think, you know, players love the college football experience sometimes. And this is one of those things that I do think runs – 
somewhat counterintuitive to what we typically expect. You know, we would normally expect, hey, players are happiest when they have the most free time. But sometimes I'm not quite so sure that's the case, that the structured environment created by an off-season schedule of, hey, get your coursework done, get your weight room work done, get your, you know, whatever, seven-on-seven seven work done or whatever else is going on there. You know, we got a full day schedule for you. I mean, sometimes we're all just happier when we're busiest and when we have a purpose, when we have something we're working towards. It just makes us happier. And uh, that's what college football provides. And Georgia, because of the structure and the, the professionalism of, of the organization, seems to be really good at doing that. So I know you'll all join me in saying it is great to hear that uh, Gilbert is off to a good start and enjoying himself there at UGA. And I appreciate the thoughts from Terrence Edwards on that. Here's the other thing that Terrence said. Georgia, Florida, biggest rivalry in college football. Terrence looks at that and says, and because of that, boy, wouldn't it be great to play this game on campus sometimes? And admittedly, even though that's not my feeling, um, Connor Raleigh shakes the head no. Um, and I'm with Connor on that. I like the cocktail party. But to be fair, fair and balanced here for a moment. That if you do have the best the best rivalry in college football, obviously bringing it onto your campus, there's a line of thought, but that's exactly what you should do. And I'm glad Terrence said that because I want a range of opinions, uh, you know, that's shared on this show. I, I want that. So I think it's fair that, that Terrence brought that up. And I'm, many of you agree. In fact, you can really kind of see the growth of that opinion over the course of the uh, last few years. More people would like to see Georgia, Florida on campus than certainly was true a few years ago. Obviously, one of our colleagues, Mike Griffith, has kind of made that his person. He's like a one-issue voter. Like, that's the thing he brings up over and over again. And a lot of you uh, agree with Mike's perspective on that. However, if I could push back ever so gently, I, I, would, I would say this is that if we believe Bill Bender, Sporting News, if we believe Paul Feinbaum, SEC Network, that Georgia-Florida has grown into the biggest rivalry in college football, that has happened while these games have been taking place in Jacksonville. So therefore, don't you have to give at least a little bit of credit to the venue, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, and at least a little bit of credit to the 50-50 split into the crowd and the the pageantry of the game, the heart bridge and all the different things that folks talk about. Even if it wasn't necessarily Kirby Smart's favorite thing when it first kind of took place, don't you have to give at least a little bit of credit for the venue of the game for the way in which the rivalry has grown. I believe that's probably the case. I was in St. Simons this past weekend. I was in another of the uh, Golden Isles a little earlier. I got to tell you, I just love that part of the world. I, I just do. And having an excuse to visit that in October or early November in some cases, that for me is never going to be a uh, bad thing. By the way, speaking of cocktails, how about a ready-to-drink cocktail that comes to you right out of the can? No mixing. It's Independence Day weekend. Like What, what you don't want to do is, if you're off from work, you don't want to make your beverage experience this weekend work in itself. So why don't you get something that's ready to drink right out of the can? It's not a beer. It, it almost looks like a beer because it is in a can. That's where we're conditioned to sort of think of beers being. But this is a ready-to-drink, mixed-drink cocktail. That means, the, like if you're watching on video, the blue can you saw there, it's like a citrus flavor, almost like a grapefruit, a gin kick to go along with that. There's a cranberry version of that. There's a long drink strong, a long drink zero. These are ready-to-drink cocktails right out of the can. So, so good. I, I tell you, and this is not hyperbole. This is really true. I have had more positive feedback from the finished long drink than almost anything else that we've recently introduced here on our program. It is such a gratifying thing to see so many of you enjoying that. And my encouragement is put some in your cooler as you're heading to the pool or the lake or the wherever you're going here this weekend. Put a little bit of that in your cooler and, and not only will you enjoy it, 
it's gonna make you really popular with everybody that you're with because there's nothing better than telling people about something they may not yet know about. Now that you listen to Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Thorpe, they've obviously heard about the finished long drink, but uh, if you can introduce this to them, this ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can, uh, they're gonna love it, the finished long drink. Go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out where you can pick some up here this weekend. Make sure you check that out. All right, the music is ended, so a little awkward here to just now be starting the SEC through. But let's roll, roll through a couple of stories here really quick just for a moment let me start with what now this may not be the first this is just the first that i saw barrett sleet tweeted this out this morning uh bo nicks auburn quarterback apparently inking a deal with milo's tea um connor was saying before the show began there's a little bit of alabama is it a is it a boycott is it fair to call it a boycott a little cancel culture um uh in, in the state of alabama from uh, alabama fans over bo nicks signing the milo's tea uh endorsement there but uh but that's Nick's there on Instagram. I guess he announced that out. He says, how sweet is it to partner with Drink Milo's for my first uh, endorsement deal? And uh, they did a pretty good job of pretty of getting that there pretty quick. So we'll see more of these. There's, in fact, by the time you hear this show, you'll probably have heard a lot more of these. But Nick's was among the very first that I saw, at least of players that you kind of know about and sort of think about. And uh, so interesting stuff there when it comes to uh, Bo Nick's on that. Also, really quick here for a moment, this was a story that we brought to you yesterday on SEC Country Live there as well. Fallout in Baton Rouge at LSU for the departure of Dare Rosenthal, one of the starting the left tackle, starting offensive lineman for LSU. And Orgeron has spoken about this. We played the audio for yesterday on SEC Country Live. Here's what I'll say about about Orgeron and LSU on this. Losing a starting offensive lineman to the tack, to the transfer portal this late in the summer cycle, to me, and I believe that LSU can be a bounce-back team this season. After a really disappointing 2020, that's on my list of teams that I think could certainly exceed the performance of a year ago and still be a factor in the SEC West. But honesty compels me to admit that this kind of thing is not – I talked earlier about Georgia being very buttoned up and very professional and the fact they can create an environment for players to kind of spend all day at the football facility. And it actually is a, a productive experience, and they may be busy on coursework and weight room work and everything else, but there's just kind of an energy associated with that that's positive. This may come across as self-serving, but it's my genuine feeling. Sometimes when I look at the scenario at LSU, I wonder if that's as true as it should be from the perspective of a Tigers fan. When you see all the transfer portal stuff that program has dealt with, last year all the opt-outs, and I don't want to make make too big of a deal of the opt-outs because we can't really know for sure how much of that was truly pandemic-influenced. Obviously, that was a weird time a year ago. But they have had a lot of player departures. And as one of the we, – we did the anonymous – quote stuff on one of the vacation shows an anonymous coach saying of LSU that they've had a harder time replacing assistance than a program like Nick Saban Alabama has stark contrast between those two programs I think a lot of that's true I believe that Ed Orgeron is a good coach I believe that he's actually a better coach than sometimes he's given credit for a lot more nuts and bolts a lot more substantive than the caricature personality would sometimes suggest that he is but good programs don't lose starting left tackles in July they just don't do that that's a, that's a very odd thing to have happen and that's what LSU is kind of dealing with right now so it's a story worth following lines of scrimmage an issue for lsu and what's supposed to be a bounce back year will make that your sec through and here on dog nation daily uh, presented by meriwether and tharp i want to keep the conversation going for a moment this is a very odd take that i'm about to share with you it comes from espn's heather dinich now i don't play this to just kind of beat up on uh heather because everybody's got an opinion and my opinions are frequently wrong as well 
but I think it speaks to the issue, the challenge facing a program like Georgia, facing other programs in the SEC, and the fact that there are so many analysts, reporters, whatever else, that simply don't seem to want to acknowledge the gap that exists between the SEC and almost every league in college football. You want some evidence that's true? Listen to Heather Dinich, the ESPN reporter on Get Up, an ESPN show this week, arguing not for the SEC getting multiple playoff teams here this season, but the Pac-12, Iowa State. Where is this coming from, from Heather Dinich? bandwagon in case you couldn't tell and it's because of iowa state i think that they have a chance at a really special season and it's because they have two heisman hopefuls on their roster not one two brock purdy their quarterback Brees hall their running back they're spectacular matt campbell has the ability to recruit three stars and get them to play like five stars i talked to their tight end chase allen last week and he told me that they are a really special team in terms of they actually like each other right now i say this and my theory is going to get blown up if they don't beat iowa and i think iowa is a really great team and they have a chance for a special year under kurt ferentz so i think that that's one of the uh the big questions if they can get past them then bring it on guys Heather Dennett talking about the idea of Matt Campbell, the coach, coaching up three stars and making them able to go out there and beat the five stars as long as they don't lose to Iowa. Listen, <laughs> if your playoff prediction uh, could be upended by a team losing to Iowa, then maybe your playoff pick isn't as strong as you think it might be. Here's what I want to tell you, and you already know this. You have a better chance of stumbling out your back door at some point in time this weekend and seeing Bigfoot than you do ever seeing a team win a national championship because it has a coach that coaches up three stars that can go out there and beat five stars. That is just a false narrative, and yet it persists. This is one of the reasons why I think in the SEC you need to be glad the playoff is expanding to 12 teams because there's always going to be this thought of, well, you can't really tell who's really the best team. You know, The Big 12's got a couple of good teams. The SEC's got a couple of good teams. Iowa State would be a touchdown underdog to Georgia and a 10-point underdog at least to Alabama if not more and it's not to say they're not a good team and so they can't you know beats uh, you know any team any given Saturday you, you've heard those cliches before but this is the kind of thing that just doesn't exist in the reality of college football anymore but for Georgia and these SEC teams that want to demonstrate their superiority there's just always going to be a, a resistance to that because of a sort of woebegone notion that some reporters want to cling to their interesting stuff from Heather Dennett. Let me very quickly give a shout out to my friends at uh, Engineered Solutions of Georgia. ESOG, very easy to get in touch with. Dial them up, 678-ESOG-NOW. They're proud partners of UGA, good friends of ours at Dog Nation Daily for a long time. They'll take care of you for your foundation issues, your waterproofing issues. It's raining this week a lot. It's already rained some, going to rain more this weekend. You'll see that water creeping in. Don't put off that work. You know that's a problem that needs to be fixed. Take care of it today. And if you see those cracks in your walls, boy, you know, take the next step. Give them a call. Get that scene about two full-time engineers on staff. They'll do good work for you. Our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. As we get ready to wrap up here today, uh, I will remind you tomorrow, pre-recorded, but I'll be live in the comments section 
when it airs uh, at 10 a.m. on both Facebook and YouTube. We'll take your comments. I also want to give a shout out to the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska, and Mississippi State winning its first national championship in a team sport uh, of any kind before and really dominating Vanderbilt. I do not like Vanderbilt baseball. Um, I don't like Vanderbilt football anymore either, but I don't like Vanderbilt baseball. Uh, after the first inning of the first game of this championship series, Mississippi State just dominated <laughs> word go the rest of the way so kind of nice to see for the uh, maroon version of the uh, bulldogs on that also our golden shoe i'm gonna give it to the atlanta hawks as they get ready to go a game five tonight in milwaukee the eastern conference finals dog nation daily is rooting on those atlanta hawks we'll see if they can uh, get that done how about gator hater countdown for what many are calling the top rivalry in college football 121 days dogs get their revenge we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp and on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. So I mentioned this during the regular show. Tomorrow we won't have a traditional cool down just simply because I'm not going to be able to do it live. We're giving some of our folks a little bit of time to take vacation. Um, so if you can join us during the video tomorrow, we will take some comments there. In other words, I'll be I'll be live chatting with you. So I realize you listen to the podcast for a reason, and we'll have a regular podcast as per usual tomorrow. But in terms of this portion, the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, we'll not have comments for tomorrow's show, but I will take some, you know, kind of like during the uh, regular uh, video, I'll be, you know, typing some of those up. Who knows? I mean, I say that. Maybe we'll end up doing Maybe there's still a way to do a podcast cool down for tomorrow. We'll figure all that out. Um, but the odds are there probably won't be much of, of one tomorrow. But if you can join us, we'll take some comments. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of type and chat with you during the uh, broadcast tomorrow on Facebook and YouTube. And, of course, we'll be back. Uh, no show Monday because of the observance of the holiday, but then back and running again on Tuesday after that. So hopefully all that makes sense. Y'all check out R.S. Andrews online for rsandrews.com for your air conditioning needs to get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs got a um interesting tweet from the official ross on twitter asking what happened to gunner stockton not being a five star anymore that happened you know not too long ago it was kind of downgraded on that it kind of brought to mind something else for me but stockton right now is not competing it's going on at the moment the elite 11 quarterback camp and stockton's not really there you know stockton's not really a guy that plays that game very much and so Obviously, the recruiting industry depends on evaluations for its star rating system. And, you know, when you see a guy that outperforms his rating, for instance, three-star player or in some cases even a lower-star, you know, two-star player, no-star player that ends up being a, you know, a good player in college, oftentimes what you find out is is that the industry didn't even really get it wrong on him. They just didn't evaluate him at all. You know, he wasn't at camp. Some players aren't able to go to camps. They're too far away. They live in remote areas. Uh, finances can be an issue at, at, at times and so the absence of evaluation doesn't lead to a misevaluation as much as it leads to kind of an incomplete evaluation you know players get better but if they're not showcasing their skills at a camp you have a way of not really knowing how good they really are and so in Stockton's case if he's choosing not to participate in these kinds of things his recruiting rating may suffer because of that that doesn't make him less of a player it just means he's not evaluated quite as much he'll play high profile games he'll be on television of course things like that from time to time but you know Playing the recruiting game is part of the way in which you get the big high recruiting rating. So it, it could be that you see Stockton's ranking fall even a little bit more than where it currently is um, if he's not going to be a part of the typical recruiting process and procedure. He very well may not care about that at all. Some Georgia fans will be a little put off by it because, you know, the average fan likes to see his team's recruits rated pretty high. 
but that could end up being kind of an interesting thing to see when um, when it comes to when it comes to what ultimately happens with Gunnar Stockton as a recruit. Also, over here on the uh, comment section of DogNation.com, Nate Jaws writing in recently to say that with the recent changes to the transfer rules. I don't really care about recruiting as much. He says, it's great to have a great class, but the majority will move on when they learn what it means to be elite. He says that work and competition isn't for most folks. And he says, I also have to end up worrying more about where other players go to college because all the movement that might go around there. And I, I will say that I am someone who's pretty averse to change across the board, especially for something that's, I think, as valuable as college football is. I don't like a lot of the change that's happening in the sport right now. And some of it, I think, is dangerous for the sport. But I think that one of the things that Nate points out here, which I think is is somewhat true, is that if you're really looking at what threatens the stability of college football more than anything, to me it's more transfer portal than name image likeness. There's going to be a few players that have a chance to cash in. A lot of the deals that you see announced here on this Thursday, the first day of name image likeness across the board and you know around the country to be completely honest most of this is not a very large amount of money you know you know most of this is coming from relatively small companies that don't have huge advertising budgets and the players are just kind of happy to be kind of in the mix here to begin with we're not really seeing a huge splash now maybe by next week we do see some gigantic thing and maybe you know you really do get an indication of this being a true legitimate source of substantial income for somebody but for the most part the name image likeness stuff right now is a fun story to follow but i haven't yet seen any kind of deal that just rocks my world oh my gosh can't believe you know so and so is getting this um but the transfer portal thing is a little bit different i think the average coach um I probably is more worried about the transfer portal than they are name image likeness. And certainly the average player is more worried about that because like sometimes you see the transfer portal used against players. Remember there was a quote from story not too long ago about, you know, coach shouting out and saying, and if you don't like this, the transfer portal is right over there. You know, essentially using that as a weapon against players, as opposed to a, to a, to a tool to be used by players. And so Obviously, that's not a reason to say you shouldn't have the transfer portal. You know, that, that's not necessarily that, you know, but it is the kind of thing that I do think is probably a greater concern for the sport than name, image, likeness all the way around. E either way, these are interesting times in which we live. Uh, there are a lot of new things that coaches, players, programs, those that follow college football closely are all having to acquaint themselves here really, really quickly. And the only thing we can do is sit back and watch and see how it all plays out. Thanks for being here for R.S. Andrews podcast to cool down today. We will look forward to uh, talking to you in some form or fashion again tomorrow. Where we'll have a show at the very least. And then no show Monday for the Independence Day holiday. Back here again on Tuesday. So looking forward to all that. Thanks for being here. Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We will see you tomorrow.